Welcome to Simple and Deep, a podcast about the power of engaging our story to love fully. I'm your host, Wisteria Edwards, and I'm happy you're here. Let's get started. Hey there, I'm so happy that you came back and that you want to spend a little bit more time together thinking about simple and deep things because simple and deep really is best. One of the things I've uh, really been pondering this last week is what to do for our second episode, obviously. And one of the things that I've really been thinking about is who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? And what is going to propel that vision forward? How am I going to show up as my best self? And I have a big disclaimer. Right now, I am full of anxiety, full of unknowns. So I had to ask myself, what is going to help me, self, Wisty, what's going to help you feel calm? And that's not going to be the same answer for you that it is for me. So I found myself literally sitting at my desk watching YouTube videos of old Tony Award winning Broadway musicals performing. And that made me feel happy. But some of you might say, you know, I I need to go for a run or I need to take a bath or, you know, whatever that self-care is. And so I would encourage you to make a list of about 10 things that you can do when you feel like your head is going to explode or you want to get in your bed and never come out. I think those are really important things that we need to do for ourselves. We need to know what we can do to help ourselves feel better. Some of you, it's going for a run, going for a walk reading a book, taking a bath, whatever it is that makes you feel happy that isn't about binging on five seasons of Downton Abbey in a row. I don't think that's probably what we need to do when we're completely stressed, but I have done it. And I'm going to be completely honest about that. Not all all five seasons, but there's quite a few things that we've all kind of gone into a slump with. That being said, give yourself a list of things that you can do when you do feel that way things that are healthy for you. When I was first coming out of um, a really difficult season in my life, my counselor told me, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a index card? And I kept that index card in my wallet. And it was 10 things that I could do when I felt what they call triggered or overwhelmed by a situation. Triggers come from our nervous system, right? So if you smell something, um, especially if you've experienced a type of trauma, you can be triggered by a sense of smell or taste, touch, that sort of thing, or just memories that kind of come over you that you feel like you can't escape very quickly. So I had a Spotify list that I would play. I actually had one called Triggered that I would put on, lots of praise and worship music, things that would help me focus on who I was. And oftentimes when we're in states of stress, we forget who we are. We forget who we are. We forget what we believe in. We forget how strong we are and what we have already overcome. I actually memorized a verse from 2 Corinthians. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And I would say that to myself over and over again because it was about who I was and what my identity is based upon and who I am in God. So those are just some of the tools that I have used to kind of regain my ability to be reasonable because I think sometimes when we're overwhelmed with the unknown, we just let it swallow us. And more than anything, we want to be seen. We want to be known and we want to be found. Several years ago, 
a great musical came out on Broadway and it took it by storm called Dear Evan Hansen. And not only is it just an incredible show, but it's a great reminder that, well, their hashtag is you will be found. And for the reason that in the story, the main character, Evan, very socially awkward, trying to be seen, has a great song about waving through a window that you're kind of seeing people in life on the other side of the glass and you're waving, trying to get their attention, trying to be seen, trying to be heard, trying to be known. And it's as though they don't see you. And I think often a lot of us go through life on autopilot and we miss opportunities to be simply kind or gentle, loving, receptive, or vulnerable with other people. And some of us do that on purpose and others, it's not malicious by any way or any means, but it's just we're busy. We're, we're definitely distracted and focused on, on things that we believe really matter. And they do matter oftentimes. But I just want my life, at least, to be one that stops to look at the things that other people might miss, because that is where I believe that God exists. Fred Rogers used to talk about the fact that there was this in-between place of where he was communicating to the camera and where someone was receiving it. And he called that holy ground. And as a teacher, I believe that my interactions with my students are that. But it also needs to be my interactions with my colleagues. This is my deepest passion, is teachers, educators, caregivers, parents, getting emotionally well for children. Because we give that junk to our kids. We are spilling that out onto children. We are emotionally bleeding out. Brene Brown has a great quote that says, stop working your shit out on other people. And I truly believe that's true. We have to stop doing this to kids. And oftentimes you would say, well, I don't, I don't hurt kids, but I've witnessed you or other people yelling at children. I've witnessed you being impatient, rolling your eyes, taking a different countenance of how you speak to a child, pretending to be invested in them when they know that you're faking it. And so children don't learn from people they don't like. And they also don't learn from people that they feel aren't invested in them all the way. So we need to be first invested in ourselves about being the best person that we can be, right? And then we're able to emotionally show up for other people. So I wanted to tell you a story about emotionally showing up for one of my students. His name was Caleb. And three years ago, he entered my class and It was a little different for him because they had transplanted from California where his mother had basically been a stay-at-home mom, which was such a blessing because, you know, she was there to receive him after school and be involved in school activities. Well, when they moved up here, the cost of living was, it's obviously it should have been lower, but it was higher because they had bought a house to their admittance a little bit out of their price range. So they were kind of strapped. And knowing this, I just tried to do my best of creating a felt kind of safe environment for him every day at school. And he really responded to it. He didn't eat work. He was super sweet, very affectionate, and eventually found another little boy in my classroom who was also very quiet, sensitive, and they just kind of became simpatico. They became each other's person. This particular day that I wanted to tell you about was during writing instruction, and I had two little boys that were sitting in front of Caleb at another table who were 
using their pencils for swords because why wouldn't they use their pencils for swords? So they eventually ended up having to go clip down on the chart with behavior. But one of the little boys, Aaron, was way further down on the chart. He just hadn't been making a lot of great decisions that day. And would they knew that with the rainbow, when they got down to red, it was either apparent contact or it was just us having a really good conversation, you know, kind of a come to Jesus meeting. But really, it's not a shaming tool for me, at least in my classroom. It's really just a conversation. And that's the case even with the parents, too. When they talk about their behavior color, it's really just an opportunity for them to connect with their child and say, hey, what's going on? And, and get that communication rolling. So these two had just clipped down. And obviously, Aaron knew that he was very, very squeaking towards that, that danger zone. So all of a sudden, I hear... Caleb start to whisper out loud to these two boys, hey, Aaron. And I caught Aaron's eye as Caleb was trying to say his name. And I just shook his, my head no to remind him that he better not do it because he knew that that would be a, a poor choice. Aaron, Caleb kept repeating, unaware of the colossal plight that his friend was kind of having at that moment. So, All of a sudden, I saw this anguish come over Caleb's face. His little nose crinkled up, and he sucked in his breath. Aaron, turn around, he said with more agitation in his voice. And it was clear that Caleb was just not understanding that Aaron was not trying to ignore him because he didn't want to talk to him. Aaron, please walk over. Put your hand on Caleb's shoulder. And so Aaron walked over and put his hand on Caleb's shoulder. And I said to him, Aaron, tell Caleb why you're not answering to him. And he said, my mom is going to get called in a minute because I've been making some bad choices. But Caleb didn't receive it. His face crinkled up and he sucked in his breath. Aaron thought he'd done what he was supposed to. So he just went back to his seat because he wasn't aware that there was this kind of storm brewing for Caleb. And Caleb all of a sudden started to try to talk, but his tears were starting to come faster. You are, he stammered, you are, you are, and he kept stumbling over it. His tears began to fall onto his cheeks and then he yelled, you are ignoring me. His body began to shake and I realized this was a full-blown panic attack. What? I was even confused by it over that. Kindergarten is kind of like working in an ER. So I have to take quick observations. And in fact, I read the other day that a kindergarten teacher makes more decisions in an hour than a brain surgeon. And it's true. How do I do no harm? What's broken here? How can I help? And I said, Caleb, come sit with me. Now the entire class was looking his way. And I said, just keep writing. I instructed them, and then I lifted Caleb up onto the reading table where I was sitting so that he could look me eye to eye, but I'm still a little bit lower than him. And that is one of my other tips for you, a simple tip. When a child is dysregulated, get underneath them. That means you need to take a knee. That means that you might need to prop them up a little bit higher than you, but I want them to know And this is how you communicate to them. I am all yours. 
I am finding you in this moment and I am not leaving you here. A child does not need us to jump into their chaos. Be strong, like a, a safety net, a raft that's pulling them in when they're drowning. His tiny body was shaking. And I said, sweetheart, he's not ignoring you, honey. He, he's trying to make the right choice because he's not on task and he knows that he's going to get in trouble. But Aaron's your friend, right? And he shook his head yes, but his tiny body was shaking and he kept <gasps> sucking in breaths, clenching his teeth. He balled up his fists and started shaking, turning bright red. He could barely get the words out. And then he said, they always ignore me now. They look past me. They never see me. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And he doesn't come like a flash of lightning. He comes through these moments of understanding. Ah, that's what's going on. I knew why he was upset. Everything had changed in this little boy's life. Most likely, his parents were absolutely exhausted every day, right? They're returning home. They're preoccupied. How often had I done the exact same thing to my own two children? Because I was just trying to survive the day. I had missed so many moments to truly connect with them. Distraction is such a thief, friends. So I took him. And I said, I put my hands on both sides of his face. And I said, Caleb, I need you to look at my face. His dark brown eyes were glistening with fear and anxiety and angst as he connected with mine. And I looked him right in the eyes and I told him, I see you. Every day that you come to school, I promise you, I will see you. I will always see you. As I was dismissing my students to their parents after school that day, and Chloe came to pick up Caleb, Caleb gave me his high five and began to turn and leave. I placed my hand on his shoulder and I bent down to meet his eyes. And I said, I see you. And his face lit up with happiness. And he replied back to me, I see you too. And he ran off. For the next three years, every day after school, he would return to the kindergarten gate, hug me, look me in the eyes and say, I see you. And I would say, I see you too. Isn't that what life is? It's just about seeing people, really seeing people, being intentional. Simple and deep is always best. A simple reminder, I see you. I don't just see all my kids. I see you. I will find you. I will find your heart. I will find what matters to you in this moment. And it matters to me because you matter to me. My grandfather used to say to people, take care of yourself because you are important. Not Everyone is important because they are, but you are important. People love to hear their name and they love to know that they matter. I wanted to close by reading you the lyrics to You Will Be Found from Dear Evan Hansen. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? Well, let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay. Because when you don't feel strong enough to stand, you can reach 
reach out your hand. And oh, someone will come running, and I know they'll take you home. Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. So let the sun come streaming in, because you'll reach up and you'll rise again. Lift your head and look around. You will be found. You will be found. You will be found. May you communicate to those you love and those you encounter every day that they are seen, that they are known, and that they are loved, and that you will come running if they call for help, or even if they don't, as we learn to attune to one another and to recognize that through our own healing, we can give back to other people. Through our own self-awareness, through our own reflection, we can be used in bigger and better ways. Be blessed. Thanks for joining us this week on Simple and Deep. Make sure that you visit my website, wisteriaedwards.com, where you can subscribe to receive updates about my upcoming book, Waiting for Mr. Rogers. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd appreciate you giving it a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it, or simply tell a friend about the show too. That would be a great help. Till next time, take care.